Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, hey, Waffle Gang, I do hope you're well. My name is Mark, and today we're checking out some more relationship stories. And if you do love a Reddit story, why not consider hitting that like, subscribe, maybe that notification bell too. Let's crack on with today's first story, which comes from STN0071, who asks, am I the asshole for not wanting to name my child after my late husband? And just a couple of warnings, it does talk about death and alcohol addiction as well. Me, 31, and my current husband, 35, recently found out that we're expecting twin boys. My first husband's mother is livid that we aren't naming one of them after her son. A little background. My first husband, Michael, and I were college sweethearts. We got married not long after graduation and I thought I would be with him for the rest of my life. Unfortunately, we were only married for a couple of months before Michael passed away suddenly. It was one of the worst times in my life and I never thought that I would ever fall in love again, much less get married again or have a family. I remained very close with Michael's mum my mother-in-law, and she was very supportive when I eventually started dating again. Not long after I met my current husband, John, I took him to her house so they could meet. She was so excited to meet him and I remember going to the bathroom and crying tears of relief that she wasn't angry at me for moving on. When John and I got married, she was so happy for me and on my wedding day, she took me aside and told me that she knew Michael was happy for me too. It meant so much to me to hear her say that. Earlier this year, John and I found out that we were pregnant. At first, mother-in-law was ecstatic, making jokes about being a bonus grandma and asking to help plan the gender reveal party and baby shower. But then when the subject of names came up, she was shocked that we weren't planning to name the baby after Michael. I explained to her that if it was a boy, we were going to name him after John's father. I could tell she wasn't happy, but she seemed to accept it. Things took a turn for the worst after my 20-week ultrasound when we found out that I was carrying twin boys. When I told her the news, she flat out told me that I had to name one of the babies after Michael or she would never forgive me. When I told her that we weren't going to do that, she absolutely flipped, saying that I was betraying the memory of her son. I tried to make her understand that as much as I love and miss Michael, that chapter of my life is over. I feel like it's disrespectful to John to insist on naming one of his children after another man. At first, John said he would be fine with it if it is what I wanted, but eventually he admitted that the idea made him uncomfortable. I never want to make my mother-in-law think that I've forgotten Michael or that he wasn't important to me, but I don't want to name one of my children after him either. And honestly, I don't think he would have wanted me to. There are better ways of remembering him than giving his name to a child that will never have any real connection to him. I tried explaining this to mother-in-law, but she just wouldn't hear it. 
She told me that she would never speak to me again if I didn't name one of the babies after our son. She's been a really important part of my life and I don't want to lose her, but at the same time, I feel like she's given me an unfair ultimatum. Am I the asshole? And we're going to head straight to the comments on this one with random nurse who says not the asshole. Please don't name him Michael. Your mother-in-law will view him as a mini Michael and everything he does will be because he's just like Michael and will be spoiled rotten by her. Your mother-in-law needs to get into therapy. She can't keep living her life as a mother-in-law and grandmother through you. She is insatiable says, not the arsehole. You are showing love to her and your late husband by continuing to be in her life and giving her an opportunity to be a bonus grandma. That's amazing on its own, but her insisting on your son being named after hers is weirdly like she sees the twin situation as an extra baby to kind of replace the son she lost. She sounds totally unreasonable. Maybe the grief of her loss is welling up as she considers the grandson she could have had biologically that never came to pass. TMD Ma says, not the arsehole. Mother-in-law is not really either. She's grieving hard here. Poor lady. Grief is not one continuous line that gets smaller over time. With a child, parents grieve lost milestones as well. In this case, having grandchildren. She sounds like a great mother-in-law in general. Are you interested in offering her a very different sort of compromise? Acknowledge that she's grieving the loss of grandchildren with her son and that you want her to be a bonus grandma. The more people who love a child, the better. What about something like a tree or two planted in a community park on the day they are born in Michael's name? Or a memorial plaque on a park bench near a playground so she can sit through the years to watch the twins play? Or getting a star name for him when they are born? Google that one. Just a few ideas, but it may help her and help with her grief. Also try to get her involved with stories of her pregnancy, what her son was like as a newborn, how things have changed about labor and delivery and the newborn care over time, and what has not. The American Academy of Pediatrics and the Canadian Pediatric Society have great information pages online about prenatal and baby care that you could look at with her to spark conversation. And Kettlewise says, not the arsehole, it is an unfair ultimatum and one you shouldn't give in to in my opinion. Yes, you may lose her friendship, but this demand is inappropriate. Even more so that the idea makes your husband uncomfortable. I wish you a safe pregnancy and delivery, OP. And one more comment from Sun on my shoulders who says not the arsehole. I'm so sorry for your loss, and I'm sorry you're dealing with this now. But your sons are not even descendants of Michael. I think it's extremely reasonable to not want to name one of them after him and have that sad reminder every day. Name them what you think you should, and if she cuts off contact, know that it isn't your fault. It was her choice. I hope she'll be reasonable and keep contact with you if that is what you want. You can try and plus say to her, but make Michael a middle name if you're comfortable with that. And I kind of agree with a mixture of comments there, especially with the first one from what we've heard before, where, you know, if you was to name one of your children Michael, then she may see this baby, everything he does as a reminder of Michael. And don't get me wrong, I know she's going to be grieving, like the other comment said, she's going to be grieving hard, but I'm just not sure if it would be healthy for her as well. And I hope she really does see sense in the updates and that this isn't a reasonable request. But we're going to go to OP's update to find out what happened next. So, wow, blown away by all the feedback and support. We are hosting in-laws John's parents, so I can only add a short update for now, but I promise to leave a longer one when they go home in a couple of days. But now I just want to address a few things I saw in the comments. 
a lot of you wanted clarification as to how long Michael has been gone. It will be 10 years this October, and no, Michael is not his real name. Any names that I've included in the post have been changed to protect anonymity. A lot of you also wondered why I'm still close with his mother after so long. I probably should have included this in the original post for context, but there are a couple of reasons for this. Michael was an only child and his father was never in the picture. And she has virtually no other family left besides a handful of cousins who live across the country. Over the years, she's been my steadfast supporter, always the first to encourage me to live my life and be happy. Funnily enough, I might not have met John if it wasn't for her. A friend of mine had set me up with him on a blind date and I almost backed out. The only reason I didn't was because my ex-mother-in-law convinced me to go. Honestly, she's the last person I ever would have expected this from, which is why I found it so hard to deal with. A lot of you have said this is probably her being forced to finally deal with a lot of unprocessed grief. I think that's probably true. I think at some point I stopped thinking of her as my mother-in-law and started thinking of her as a friend. I thought that she'd come to think of me in the same way, but now I'm realizing that at least a part of her still sees me as Michael's wife. I'm hopeful that we will find a way to work it out, but I'm prepared to let her go if it comes to that, even though it would make me terribly sad. To those of you who said I should start putting up some boundaries with her, you are probably right. I honestly thought all of the bonus grandma jokes were harmless at first, but now I've started to think otherwise. I don't want to make any rash decisions yet until we've both had a chance to calm down, but as things stand now, she has a lot of work to do in the way of regaining my trust. As to where I stand on the name issue, I'm not going to name either of my children after Michael. For those of you who are worried I might cave on the issue, don't be, it was never an option. I briefly considered doing something with a middle name, but ultimately decided against it. I don't want to burden either of my children by naming them after a man they will never have any connection to. As to how we honor Michael's memory, every year John and I go to visit his grave on his birthday. It was actually John who started the tradition, the year we got engaged and we haven't missed a year since. Maybe someday when they're old enough we'll take the boys. I don't know how exactly, but I'm sure I'll find a way to explain to them who Michael was and what he meant to me. For those of you who asked if this was having a negative impact on my marriage, the answer is no. John has been my rock through the entire pregnancy, and his only concern during this ordeal has been my emotional well-being. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that if I wanted to name one of these babies after Michael, that he would let me and never say a word about it, no matter how much it hurt him. Which makes me even more determined not to cave on the issue because I refuse to pay his selflessness with selfishness. As to where things stand with ex-mother-in-law and I. My sister-in-law, brother's wife, is good friends with her. They teach together at the same school, so right now she's acting as a sort of go-between. She says she thinks that ex-mother-in-law is having a long overdue emotional breakdown. We both agree that she has avoided fully processing her grief and now it's all coming to a boiling point. She's pushing hard to get her to see a therapist and I'm hopeful we can salvage at least some of our relationship. But if not, I'll find a way to live with it. And finally, to the handful of commenters who insinuated that I'm still in love with Michael and that I'm not being fair to John. Let me just say that until you've been in my shoes, you won't understand. Michael and I were very young when we got married. I loved him very much and he will always, always have a place in my heart. But John is absolutely the love of my life. It took me years of therapy, but I don't feel guilty about it anymore. Thank you all so much for commenting and leaving your thoughts. It's helped me so much to process things and sort out my emotions. 
planning to see my ex-mother-in-law later this week after current in-laws leave and I will be back with an update as soon as possible, which we're covering that update right now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So OP starts off. I meant to do this sooner, but it's been a wild month. As it turns out, carrying two human beings inside of you takes a bit of a toll, and lately, I've been feeling it. As of yesterday, I'm at 32 weeks, which means we're officially out of the danger zone if the boys decide to come early, but hopefully, they'll stay where they are for a little while longer. John and I were advised by a friend that we should give them names that mean something to us as a couple, so we decided to name them for our favorite Tom Hanks characters, as it was our mutual love of the actor that we first bonded. Hint, neither of them will be named Forrest. One of them will be named after a character who starred alongside Meg Ryan. Since I made this post, it has come to light that ex-mother-in-law has a serious problem with alcohol. I never realized this before because apparently she was very good at hiding it. Also, I've been told that while she has been nothing but supportive and kind to my face, she has made some very unkind comments about me and John behind our backs. She even told some people that I cheated on Michael, her son, with John even though I didn't even meet him until several years after Michael died. We went no contact two weeks ago, and it makes me very sad because Michael adored his mother, and it would break his heart to see her like this. Because as awful as she's been to me lately, I know it's just because she's in pain. Still, I know he would understand why I've decided to cut her out of my life. I truly hope that one day she'll heal and we can find a way to be friends again. And now I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And let's move on to another story. And I was interested in everyone's responses on this next story. So this one comes from Itchy Smell 8152 who says, Am I the arsehole for telling a 6 foot 8 giant to upgrade his seating? Context flight between two major European cities. Flight cost about 60 euros, flight time one and a half hours. Me, 32 male, I'm 5 foot 10 and I check into my flights the night before. I wanted a window seat so I chose a window seat. It was not extra but had seen that the cost for extended legroom was about 20 euros. This was a larger plane so each side of the aisle had three seats, so the window, middle and aisle. I didn't feel the need to get more space because I intended to sleep in its general sufficient space. After takeoff, the person in front reclines their seat. No problem, I recline my seat, but the guy in the aisle behind, but in the middle, stops me. Tells me that he's too big and the chair reclines into his legs. This man seated in the middle is extraordinarily tall. 
and seated in the middle, so his knees extend into the space of both aisle and window seats. People on both sides of him now have their space invaded by his limbs, and the entire row in front of him can't recline their seats, despite the aisle in front reclining and invading their space. A total of five people around him have minor inconveniences because of his height. I say, yeah, no problem, I won't recline my seat, but next time you can choose a different seat as to not inconvenience five other people. He explains that normally the attendants give him an aisle seat or upgrade him, but they couldn't this time. I respond that it isn't the airline's responsibility to give him a seat, and if he knows he doesn't fit in a middle seat, he could have chosen an aisle, as there was no charge to choose an aisle seat. I'd seen the option the night before, or he could have upgraded for extended legroom, seating for an extra 20 euros. He says he didn't have the 20 euros to spend. Mind you, he is flying to one of the most expensive cities in the world. I said choosing an aisle option is free, to which he says he didn't have that choice and that I'm being selfish. I respond by saying, I'm not being selfish. I'm fine with having less space so you can be more comfortable, but pointing out that you are the selfish one for not taking responsibility for others' space and depending on flight attendants to put you in better seats. He thanks me for my opinion sarcastically, and I sarcastically reply that I'm just looking out for his best interests, and we exchange fake smiles. Honestly, what bothered me was the rent-seeking behavior and the principle of it. Am I the arsehole? And we start off with convoluted username who says, I just think reclining seats should be banned full stop. So unfair that people should be given the opportunity to enroach upon someone else's space and make their flight even more uncomfortable than it already is just to make your own space slightly larger and more comfortable. The idea in itself appeals to selfishness, and I hate that it's a thing. Admirable says not the arsehole, we all have our own burdens. For him, it's being well above average height. We're all responsible for our own burdens, whether or not it's his fault that he's tall. It's his responsibility not to expect five other people to give up some of their comfort to improve his comfort. Swirly Flurry says, you're the arsehole. You gave an unnecessary lecture telling this guy how he should pick seats on a flight from upgrading to picking aisle seats. You also judged him for not already doing these things when you don't know his circumstances or anything about him really. Unsolicited advice is always an arsehole move and you dished it out in spades. Johnny Pegasus says not the arsehole, he should absolutely pay for additional legroom. As it stands, he is expecting everyone around him to settle for less space because he is unwilling to pay for more. It sucks for him that he can't be comfortable on planes without paying extra, but that's a fact of life. Just like how I can't reach high shelves without using a step stool. And Rhett says, you're the arsehole. You're acting like this dude chose to be six foot eight and therefore chose to make everyone around him uncomfortable, mainly himself. Then you assume he had the same options to choose a seat you did and then went about lecturing him on his flying choices. Don't you think he'd have chosen aisle seat if he could? He could have had a different type of ticket that didn't offer him a seat choice or maybe he had to make a last minute purchase due to a number of reasons therefore limiting his seat choices. But you decided to paint his story with your brush and be an asshole about it. It was a one and a half hour flight. Sorry you couldn't recline and it was nice of you not to, but you could have withheld the lecture. And the comments were all over the place. Some you're the asshole, some not the asshole, some everyone sucks here, some blaming the airline. But what do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Let's have another story. And our next story comes from SuspiciousCat1021, who says, Am I the asshole for not allowing my sister to make her kids food at my house during our Christmas party? I come from a broken home, so we have our Christmas with mum's side the first weekend of December. 
i44 male hosted. Usually my sister and I switch off host duties. My sister has two daughters who are incredibly picky eaters at 18 and 15 years old. My sister would come to family parties with a box of pasta and a bag of frozen chicken tenders that she will make for her daughters. I want to know if I'm the asshole for what I did here. I knew that is her drill with them, but I've always found it very annoying, especially when I'm trying to cook and she's taking up space making the pasta and chicken tenders. This year, I told my wife we will not be letting my sister in the kitchen this year and the girls will have the choice of eating what I prepared or not eating. My sister accused me of being a cynic and getting joy from watching the girls being uncomfortable. I told her they are old enough to eat like adults. Also, the food I make is pretty standard. I do a fillet roast, barbecue ribs, cheesy potatoes, stuffed artichoke, ready cauliflower, ratatouille, and a salad. Certainly, some of these must be foods that an 18 and 15-year-old should be able to eat. While the girls sat and ate bread and butter while telling me that my food looked gross. I looked to my sister to calm them down, but told me I deserve this and it's not their fault for being picky eaters. I know I could have just let my sister do her thing, but it was the principle of the situation. I'm not sure if I was being a petty asshole or if I had a legitimate reason to be upset. Edit, there are no medical conditions or food allergies. Edit, I made it clear to my sister in advance that I will not be allowing this. She decided not to listen. Edit 3, I did not anticipate this blow up. I'm willing to compromise. If the girls really won't try new things, my sister can make their food at home and bring it. And we're going to start off with JRM1102 who says not the arsehole. They're 18 and 15, not little kids. They can be picky. You don't have to accommodate that. It's very annoying to have someone come in the kitchen and taking up space when you're cooking a big meal. Wizard says this is how people turn 30 and still refuse to eat anything but pizza and chicken nuggets. No one's being forced at gunpoint to eat what you make. They can eat before or after the party if starvation is such a risk. NJ says, not the asshole, at 15 and 18, they should be able to eat more than just pasta and chicken tenders. But OP's comments, there's no allergy or tolerance. They're just picky and rude. Who sits at a table and talks about how gross the food looks? Cooking for a family holiday can be so stressful. Timing, everything, just right and making sure you have the space to cook everything. Adding in another meal just because they are picky? Nope. OP does not have to do that. And Purple Bowling Shoes says, not the arsehole, but I do think you could have compromised a little bit by asking your sister to cook beforehand and warm up the plates in the microwave. I love to cook and I really hate people getting in my way, so I understand why you were annoyed. I'm a pretty picky eater too, so I get a side of that as well. Before family functions, when I know there's going to be very little I can eat, I eat before the dinner so I'm not starving. This seems like a pretty easy problem to solve for everyone involved. Now, what do you guys make of this situation? Do you think OP was just being petty? Or do you think, you know, there was totally valid in their choices here? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Now, just a huge thank you from the bottom of my heart for getting involved in today's stories, spending your very precious time with me and with the podcast as well. I'm incredibly grateful to you. So thank you so, so much. And hopefully I will see you in the next one. Take care and much love. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 